same China, different stories. We are the ones that found their way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. Welcome to ABC Adopted Babies from China podcast, a podcast where I speak with Chinese adoptees and others who we interact with and we talk about adoption, our adoption, but also ourselves. And today I am speaking with Laura, who is somebody I actually met in person in New York City. Things are sort of opening up. The first day of summer is today, and I think everything opened like around Memorial Day or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hi, Laura. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Where you? Where in New York City are you again? I live in Brooklyn Heights. Oh, so yeah. It's just across the Brooklyn Bridge. And that's like a nice area. That's pretty close to the water, right? It is very close to the water. If you've ever heard of like the Promenade or Pier 6, mm-hmm. the Brooklyn Bridge Park. Yeah, I'm really close to that. I'm just here with my parents. Okay, that's just, I was just like, did you grow up in New York? I guess so, yeah. I definitely did, yes. Oh, wow. It's kind of cool meeting people who grew up in the city too, especially from an outsider's perspective, which is me. Did you go to university or anything? Did you stay? No, so I went to college at Dickinson College in Pennsylvania um, because for a number of reasons really but one of the things that I loved about it was that it was in rural Pennsylvania in the middle of nowhere and it was just a really good break from the city is that the same place that Taylor went to as well yep yeah you guys meet there it's funny we reconnected in college but really Taylor and I knew of each other probably our whole lives yeah wow so like we would go we had the same friend group because like our parents were in the same like adoption group mm-hmm. so we always we would meet up a lot as we were kids taylor remembers this i do not because my <laughs> memory is like horrible <laughs> but taylor would remember like all the parties that we went to together but growing up through middle and high school we just never were that close so we always knew of each other but we were never friends until we hit college okay are you guys actually the same year or like different years too we are the same year what okay because it's funny because when I was talking with her she's like yeah it's a small liberal arts college and it's like you don't necessarily know everybody but I guess it's kind of small enough that you could find out who's there from home if you wanted to (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's definitely um small enough that you see the people that you've met before you can make those connections but it's big enough that you can meet someone new every day Mm, that makes sense yeah I think that's true of like most small smaller liberal colleges Uh, unless you go to a campus that's like only 400 people then I'm sure you don't you probably know most people yeah whoa man I was having this realization probably recently that it seems like New York City is really big but also really small too 
I guess it depends, but it's like you kind of, you do end up like running into people sometimes that you just met maybe a couple times. Like after Taylor's birthday, I ran into Kate. Is it Kate or Katie? But her, she was, she was at the Natural History Museum with her mom and we oh, like wow. ended up in the same exhibit in the same <laughs> spot. And that's a big museum, but I was like, whoa, that's kind of wild that just like ran into you at the museum and so big. And then, I don't know, I guess that's, that's true of any community. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious though. Cause that has not happened with me yet. What? Like I went to high school I went to Packer Collegiate, um, which is like a few blocks away from me. And I remember knowing at least five people around my age in the same, who live all in the same area, like either right across from me or just down the block. I never saw any one of them outside of school. It's funny, maybe it only happens to us people who aren't like born in New York City. <laughs> Here's a tour spot, the Natural History Museum, and hey, look, it's you. Person that maybe, I met. I maybe. I think that's also true of like the adoption community too, like the groups and stuff. There's like a few different groups, but they kind of cross over sometimes. Like people you see in one, you'll see it another. But definitely, yeah. there are a lot of groups that overlap, and even mm. if they don't, we all know each other in some yeah. aspect, some some way. Well, that's a good segue into what this podcast is about. I didn't even ask, but tell me about your adoption and what you would like to share. Um, so I was adopted at 13 months old um, from Luoyang in Henan province. Let's see, I was found on the side of like a walking bridge and it's like, yeah, it's, weird because you know I, you hear most stories and it's like they were dropped off at the orphanage or the hospital or like a very public place mm -hmm. I was like left on the side of like a walking bridge and I know that I was in a basket with a blanket and it had like a little note on it um that basically stated my birthday and the vaccines that I had whoa yeah, and so some delivery person had found me and then brought me to the um, orphanage. Whoa, it's interesting that your vaccines were also listed. 13, 13 months is like just over a year, so I guess, yeah, you're really small still. Well, 13 months that when I was adopted, but I don't know actually how old I was exactly when I was found. Oh, right. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Mixing up. I like, I thought one-year-olds were pretty big. Nope. I misheard that. <laughs> when you were actually left though, I guess whoever left you left your birthday too. Oh my gosh. So you do have a, I guess, real birthday then. Yeah, I, I do. Um, which I know is very uncommon. Mm-hmm. Do you have the note with you? Do, you? do they let you keep that with you? Um, I do not have the note. Um, mm -hmm. It's interesting because there's so much about your adoption when it happens that's just so uncontrollable, right? 
Yeah. There's things that the orphanage might keep or throw mm-hmm. away. There are things that your parents, when they got you, just didn't consider at the time. Right. Um, so it's very interesting. But when I went back, I actually got the chance to go back to China. Oh, nice. Um, to study abroad through Dickinson program. Mm-hmm. And after the semester ended, I there was like a good month between the end of the China program and start of college again. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, you know, I'm just going to take a road trip and I visited the orphanage again. Whoa. And yeah, they had... They had no records of any. Really, yeah. um, it's one of those things with like a lot of small, really small city, small town places. Mm-hmm. Um, they had switched owners. You know, they went from paper to digital. Yeah, and just a lot of things probably got lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I guess you went back. You said you took a road trip. Like you drove back there from wherever you were, or not you really flew? a road trip. I took a bullet train. Oh, a bullet train. From Beijing to Luoyang, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like central China near the Xi'an terracotta warriors. Oh, okay. So it's not too far from there. Um, So it wasn't a long trip. And I booked a hotel. I booked a translator. And I booked a tour guide. And I just went around the city and I just got reacquainted with the city saw some of the sites because I knew some Chinese but not Mm -hmm. enough to like go into central China where no one speaks English (laughs) because at least Beijing you can get by a little bit yeah some people know English there's a few English signs I'm not doing that in central China (laughs) oh my gosh I'm pretty like I admire you for being able to just book everything for yourself like you just went by yourself it sounds like right yeah yep I'm gonna go by train have a hotel have a translator and a tour guide and you were still in college like that's a I don't know that seems so brave to just be like yep I'm gonna go for it by myself nobody else had you wanted to do that for a while and the opportunity was like timing and everything it worked out um so it's interesting I've always wanted to go to China like period at least China I definitely wanted to do that yeah it's interesting because it was also a time where a lot of my friends who you know are around the same age were all talking about they're going back to China and like they're going back to like rediscover their story and I was like I honestly didn't even think of that. Mm, Gotcha. (laughs) Like that was something that wasn't originally part of my plan. And I was like, you know, here I am. I'm already in China. Yeah. Which is already like an extraordinary opportunity. And who knows how long it's going to take before I'm back here. Yeah. So I was like, listen, I got the money, (laughs) I got the time to do it. Um, And it's honestly at a time where it's most convenient. So I Mm -hmm. was like, let's do it. Let's do it. Oh my gosh. So how many years ago was that then? Oh, that was junior year in college. So 2016. 
Oh yeah, it's about five years. Yeah. Whoa. That sounds like a long time ago. (laughs) Five years is pretty significant, I feel like. I mean, one year, it's like, eh, that's wishy-washy. But five years seems pretty significant. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, think of it. We we went to college for four years. High school is four years. Yeah. And it's been five years. And I'm just like, damn. Damn. I know. I mean... I guess this year for high school was like 10 years. I think it's been 10 years. And this topic came up as like, do people go to high school reunions anymore? Because now that there's Facebook and all these other social media that you keep up with everyone. So it's like, do you need a reunion anymore? (laughs) Sounds like you don't, but (laughs) that's kind of just a random thought. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Cause a lot of, I went to my five-year reunion Mm. and no one was there. (laughs) No one was there. And I think part of it, I think reunions is something for when you get older. Yeah. Because you've accomplished a little more. Or not. And you're just like, don't care. (laughs) Yeah. You're just like, what? I feel like reunions is a time for people to just brag about how far they've come. Let's see, five years, where have I gone? I finished college like everyone else. <laughs> like that type of thing. Yeah. I guess you're right. When you're in another like 10 years, it'll be a different story. Like, yeah, you'll be doing some other things, I'm sure. Right. Some of them may have gotten married by now, maybe have a kid. Who knows? Right. Decided to just leave their current job and go go for it. I don't know. I don't know if people <laughs> would go to their... That is a question, though. Would people ever go to their high school, their reunion and talk about the not great things happening? Like, yeah, got divorced mm-hmm. and don't have custody of my children. <laughs> you never I mean, know. that also. That happens, but people don't talk about it. No. Oh, my gosh. I got to backtrack, though. So just like you went back to your town. Also, I'm kind of just trying to picture a walking bridge. It seems like a very risky move to leave a baby like a little human on a walking bridge because it's not exactly private really right because I think sometimes when we've been abandoned as kids or when people want to abandon their kids they usually pick like a crowded area right that could just be I mean I've heard a lot like I know I know someone was left in a movie theater. I know someone was left at a train station mm. um, in a hospital outside the orphanage. I've heard like a lot of different, different things. It's honestly like probably anywhere you think of it's, it's a baby has either been left there or moved there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you came when you were okay, so you came when you were 13 months old. I was like, well, that's a really big child to leave. That <laughs> makes sense now. <laughs> Do you have siblings too, or is it just you? It's just me. Just you. And I guess you you said you were your parents were involved in some of those groups too, which then I guess like as a result, you met a lot of adoptees as a kid. Yeah. And then how can did you do you ever want to leave New York City or do you like it here? I guess you did briefly for school. I but. did briefly, but it's different because at the end of the day, you always know you're gonna go back to the city. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's not like a permanent fixture. You would go in and then you would go back maybe three, four months later, yeah. stay home for a little bit, come back. You know, I don't think I could ever leave the city. There's a lot, there's just so much you can do. And it seems there's something for everyone. Which is true. I think there is something it is. for everyone. Uh, it is. It's also kind of a lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the the super fast pace, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of get used to it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's different when we go to, I, that's what I was going to say, like, so when you went to Dickinson, basically, because it's a rural mm-hmm. area, were things slower and you guys had to adjust? to that or no because it's so definitely yes because if you think about new york right one of the first things that pops into your head is the nightlife Mm -hmm. things are open late right they're open till midnight or two or three even if we couldn't be out partying yeah legally at least (laughs) hey um you know there were restaurants open you got delivery right all these options of like different foods right you can have italian french chinese japanese this is like the middle of nowhere so it was a big adjustment in that way Mm -hmm. in that you know the options are much less yeah in terms of food you had maybe we had maybe one or two bars. Wow. In the entire town. So it, it's and then Dickinson is also like a bubble. Yeah. It's one of those bubble colleges. So the campus, it's very beautiful. And almost like within the campus, it's kind of fast paced because you just see students running okay. from their dorm to their class. Yeah. To the other end of the campus. Like everyone's moving. Yeah, yeah. But you step outside of that and it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then could you get there from the city by bus or did you have to like drive? So they offered shuttle transportation if that is what you is that's how you come in. Mm-hmm. So it's next, it's really close to Harrisburg, mm. which is a major Amtrak yeah, yeah. Um, station. So if you took the train, you can do that. <clears throat> um, they had shuttles to pick you up from there to the campus. They had shuttles from the airports. Otherwise, yes, you would need to drive. You would need to drive. Oh my gosh, I don't think I've asked any New Yorkers this though. I was like... Do you, do you drive? Do you have like a driver's license or you're like, no, you don't need it, right? You don't need it. I don't need it. I do have a license. Whoa. I somehow managed to pass my driving test. Um, <laughs> I would say I'm a great city driver. Okay. I mean, if you're a great city driver, you can pretty much drive anywhere. I, think, I feel like you can. I, mean, I feel like, yes, I think the thing that cities don't have though is highways yeah yeah so that is my huge like nervous moment when it comes to driving is merging onto that highway because I'm like 
Yeah, I can't. I don't know how to judge that yet. Okay. Yeah, and I guess in the cities they always have like a lot of one ways, so it's like you have to be going the right direction, and it's also pretty slow. So I guess I can. See yeah, that's nerve wracking for people who don't. Yeah, that's so surprising. It's like you took the driving test and driver's test, and then do you, do you drive though? Or I guess not. I don't drive. <laughs> it's like eh. I drove a little bit in college. Yeah. Because I had a job and yeah. I had to drive around to pick up supplies from various stores. Mm-hmm. So I got that experience, but no. no. It's too expensive to own a car here. It really is. That's, that's why I don't have one anymore. Oh, don't let it go rusty. Oh, no, I, it's been almost a year when I finally was like, okay, I guess I'm going to sell this because I don't use it at all. It was more just like the only time I used it was to maybe go grocery shopping, but then it would stay. Is that worth it? No, not really. <laughs> if you're not really using the car. Or if you don't have a driveway. I guess if you have a driveway, that's a different story. Yeah. Because then you don't have to worry about the whole where am I going to park when I get home and you can go wherever you want. But that's seems like a luxury to have a driveway in it is. the city. It is going back to because you already answered my questions like have you been back to China where you're from you sure <laughs> have what was your experience like when you went back to did, like did you, I'm assuming you visited the orphanage and that's where you found out their records were not super great yeah <laughs> so what did you think of your orphanage what did it seem um to you I mean I'll be very honest, I was kind of lost because I don't have much experience visiting orphanages. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear about it, right? Yeah. That, you know, they usually have a lot of kids, not necessarily the healthiest, but it seemed pretty organized mm-hmm. in terms of like the ground floor was for the babies Mm -hmm. and then as you got up as you went up in the levels right they just got older and older oh so I saw that a bunch of kids were in in the computers you know maybe like nine ten year olds oh yeah I don't think I ever went to the top floor Mm -hmm. um, because it's less likely that they would just welcome in a stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because by then they're already like, yo, who are you? Yeah, like they're older. But the little ones who were like just learning how to talk Chinese were so cute. (laughs) They called me big sister. Aww. Because, you know, I came back to visit. So they were all like, oh, everyone say like, hi, big sister. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh my God, you guys are too cute. Oh, that's precious. Was it girls and boys? It was girls and boys, yeah. Ah, I, I'm just so fascinated because I don't think I've talked to many people who've like visited their orphanage. So it's, it's kind of like, yeah, tell me more about your experience. <laughs> yeah, um, there was a mix of boys and girls. I can't really say if there were more girls than boys. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember. Something I do remember, though, which I think is a slightly common thought amongst adoption communities, 
is that it's harder to adopt if you have some sort of disability. Mm, yeah. Whether that's a physical or learning disability. Because I do remember seeing a lot of the older kids were starting to have some sort of um, disability. Uh, disability. Like some couldn't use their hands the whole way. Mm. It So that was kind of sad to see because you hear about it but you don't always really experience Speak that. that. Yeah, see it for yourself until you actually go. Yeah. I think it's like, I think I have heard sometimes if for certain, I mean, this is what I've heard, but like for some parents who want to adopt or single parent or parents, same sex, whatever it is, it seems sometimes the they will usually provide or choose a child who has a disability for like older parents or certain types of parents and couples just because I guess there's a bias about it but I know my parents were actually older and I had a physical disability as a kid so they're like yeah you can and I was also four so it's like all right you can have this older kid with a disability I don't know so mm. it's like a, I don't know I don't have any like proof that's true but that's what I've heard too oh well yeah I know someone who does have a disability that did show up very early Mm -hmm. um so it wasn't one of those situations that develop as they grow up yeah um and that I've heard because she's researched a lot about this because it is so close to her as well yeah but she had learned that the orphanage had disclosed to the parents beforehand that she had a disability and they offered them if they wanted to keep it they could or if they wanted to switch for one who didn't they could also Mm. do that oh wow that's a that had to be kind of a hard thing for or the person you know to like learn about that because it's like oh I could have been switched out but yeah fortunately she wasn't or I'm, I'm assuming it's a she but I shouldn't assume most <laughs> likely she's a female yeah but um it's interesting because it adds like a whole other layer to this yeah. whole abandonment type of mentality mm-hmm. it's wild I know to, to know that you could have not been chosen, I guess, is kind of a scary thought. I don't know. It's, it's taking a much sadder tone than I anticipated. <laughs> but I don't, I mean, I feel like when you're talking about visiting the orphanage, it's going to definitely go that way, too. I, I think that's the one common thing I have heard amongst people when they go back to, to go back to the orphanage theirs or another one that they, like, have that feeling, a collective, like, oh, it's really sad to see, like, these children who aren't adopted and they are here and this is where they live and a lot of them do have disabilities and a lot of them just like that's where they are yeah that's a bummer it's like the darker side to adoption that I don't think a lot of people ever really get exposed to Mm -hmm. and I think it's like slowly being more expressed I think through different avenues especially now in the present day when it's so accessible, but it wasn't too accessible, I think, in the early days. Definitely not. I mean, I still remember 
local church groups being like, hey, adopt, mm. you're saving this child and like, you're going to be the savior and like give them a whole new life. Mm-hmm. It'll be perfect. Act of God, maybe. Pretty yes. much. Like yeah. give them a whole new life. And it's like, yes, but also yeah. no. Mm. It's one of those, it's one of those conversations that you could really go down the rabbit hole with, but um, using religion as a way to promote and do good, quote unquote, but you know, it's questionable sometimes. What, what are people's real true intentions with these things sometimes? Yeah. Did you, did you grow up religious at all or nah? So I was raised Catholic. Mm but I personally don't really believe any mm-hmm. of that. Um, my mom is Catholic. My dad is atheist. So I've been exposed to both. Both sides, yeah. Um, both sides. I went through Sunday school. Oh, yeah. I did, I did first communion, did confirmation, and I kind of had a deal with my mom because I was so sick and tired of going to church every Sunday yeah not gonna call it BS I just don't believe in it Mm -hmm. as much or buy into all these stories in the bible um so I was like I don't want to go to church anymore and she was like just get confirmed oh okay and then you can choose if you want to go anymore or just leave oh okay well that's nice that she gave you that option as you were as you got older of course because as we get older we have more conscious awareness of what's happening and what we want to do and don't want to do yeah I mean it's not that she was a devout believer yeah either she was she's someone who does it for the community Mm -hmm. um and I was like to be fair that's very valid because yeah. If I ever wanted to return to a church, mm-hmm. like years down the line, right? The the option is still there. Right. That's it's nice to have that option if you want it. If you don't, so be it. But I guess if you do want it, it's not as difficult. I'm not really sure how it works. Also being raised Catholic too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get confirmed though, so I don't really remember yeah. much. I think it's slight, like a, just a slight stigma with it, mm-hmm. like because confirmation is the church accepting that you're an adult in the community. Oh, right. If you think of like baptism being your birth into the community, confirmations like you're becoming an adult with the community. Okay, uh, okay. So according to, I guess. Catholicism Christianity I am not an adult in that community <laughs> that's a funny thing to say too like, yeah I'm not an adult it's fa- it's fascinating though I was having this conversation with somebody else who's a Korean adoptee who's older than us and he was saying because I told him the name of the podcast is like adopted babies from China he's like that's really that's an interesting way do you think you would ever want to change that because a lot of organizations out there have like children or child or some something associated with like being a kid in 
in that sort of respect and in relation to how you talk about it. I was like, well, that's actually really good insight. I thought it was just kind of a funny play on American born Chinese. Cause that's primarily yeah. what, I, what I know too. And, but it's very fascinating. Cause I guess like families with children from China, there's now like a group within them who are, I mean, as Chinese adoptees, we're getting to that age where we are like becoming adults mm-hmm. <laughs> beyond just our university years. I guess the ages you would be at university, but I would say 25 and above. Like we're, a lot of us are reaching that point where we're almost 30 or some of us are of course 30, but the thought that because of having a name with like babies or children that they're still sort of a, I forget what the word is. It's like infanticizing. Infanticizing. Okay. Yeah, infantizing, uh, infantizing us, maybe infantizing us. I don't know. People will hopefully know. infantilizing. Maybe. Is that it's one it? of those? I don't know. <laughs> I could Google it, but eh. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, I think people will understand. And it's like, oh, that's actually a really fair point that you bring up, and I never thought of it that way too. So I guess there's like this whole revolution of we should not be associated as kids. I don't know, but maybe to an extent we always will be because when they. I think even present, this is me going on a rant too. So if you want to insert, definitely let me know. Just recently they released that it's now you're allowed to have three child, three children in your household in China. Yes. But it's also whenever we're asked about our adoptions, like, oh, do you think it's a result of the one child policy? So are we ever going to be able to like successfully get away from being just like children or considered because of our, because of being children? I don't know. It seems strongly that's not the case. And I don't know, maybe I can start a revolution where we don't call it one child policy. I mean, what else would we call it though? Yeah, I've honestly never thought of it like that though. I hadn't either. And now having that conversation, now I'm like going down this thought process. (laughs) Like, yeah, one child policy, two child policy, now three child policy. Like, what do they call it after that? When you can have as many kids as you want. Freedom? (laughs) Like... (laughs) Like, yeah, it's the freedom. Actually, they probably won't give a name. They probably would just call it like the ban of this. Yeah, or the or like the dis did the disbanding of the oh, free yeah. child. Mm-hmm. There's no more policy for how many children you can have. Um, but they are children. Yeah, like we all do start. I mean, I believe we all start as babies. And grow into children and then teens and adults. I think, unless there's some aliens, but who knows? (laughs) Not to like. Yeah. Many people believe what they believe. I just like to throw out the. (laughs) I like to throw out many different ideas because, I mean, are we all children? Are we human? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like, I don't know why this came up too. I was at the Natural History Museum, so that's why it occurred to me too. It's like, (laughs) what is it? Like, um, many mammals we know of now are descendants of dinosaurs, according to science. Like, those really, really large T Rex are now little tiny lizards. Yeah. So, what will we be in, I don't know, millions of years? What will we evolve to? Damn this conversation you're like this is a lot more thought provoking and using my brain than I thought I was gonna do <laughs> not gonna lie yeah but I'm like damn oh man I mean if anything I would feel like we would go 
smaller. Mm. Maybe not like short. Yeah. But just thinking about like the evolution progression of humans, right? Yeah. We were like Neanderthals and before that we were apes and monkeys. True. And we've definitely like gotten leaner and you know, Neanderthals are huge, tall, and very big. Yeah. Like, very stocky. So I feel like if we go with that trajectory, we would keep going. Hmm. Soon we will no longer exist. I mean, that's probably true, too. I mean, yeah, Earth is going to far outlast humans, I believe. Yeah. yeah. On that note, I'll probably put a break here. Well, I guess it's like a follow-up to, because it's been five years since you went back. Have you been interested, I guess, because you're part of the community growing up too, and I guess you're part of it present too, with, I guess, like adoptees and like other Chinese adoptees too. Do you feel like you would, I don't want to like pose this question, like put it, the idea in your head, but do you feel, what do you feel like you would want to do with more with your adoption if you want to do anything? Or you're like, nah, I'm good. I did the trip and I'm like, just living life. Yeah, I would love to go back to China just to Mm -hmm. experience the culture again. Mm -hmm. It is full of history. I love Chinese history, Mm. but Asian history in general. I hated learning U.S. history. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that pushed me even more towards Asian history. Mm. So I would love to go back there and just delve a little more into the historical side of the country because I was kind of stuck in Beijing because of my studying yeah so I couldn't exactly travel as I I guess like I wanted to I did a few trips here and there some were class trips and some were just trips with friends yeah but the majority of my time was spent in Beijing so I would love to go back and just travel would I go back to Luoyang Maybe not for, like, the adoption reason. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some beautiful nature and mountains there that I would love yeah. to see. I'm not planning a birth search. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not really in my plan. Mm-hmm. Mainly because, I don't know, I just don't have the need to fill that part of me. Yeah, It's not like a gap or it's like a missing information for me. I know some people describe it like that. Right. Like it's like this big hole in their lives that they mm-hmm. need to fill um, and go right ahead. Yeah. Right. You do what you need to do to make you feel like you know who you are. Yeah. For some, that's like a big part of their identity. And that's a very valid part. Mm-hmm. it's just not for me I feel like I've developed my identity without needing to find my birth parents yeah 
as it as it is because it's different for everybody too no matter what like other people's experiences are you're you're doing your own thing yeah (laughs) really but it's cool wait so I guess yeah I kind of glossed over that but it's like you went to Beijing for study abroad Mm -hmm. what did you study like what was your studies Chinese the Chinese oh yeah cool because my parents don't speak Chinese yeah and to me it was a way to get closer to my heritage my background Mm -hmm. so I that's just what I took I actually chose that college specifically for their study abroad program whoa wow you really have like intention with your decisions so good it's so cool (laughs) yeah um because growing up in America or New York there is very little exposure to Chinese culture Mm. you know I think I remember the one thing I learned in middle and high school about China was either super ancient China, like the Great Wall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we went to Chinese New Year. I see. And there is so much more in between of that. You know, and I was very curious about it. Not for a very long time. I think that started in, like, high school. Yeah. And then they offered Chinese as a language at the school. Mm-hmm. Because at that time, you know, China was just starting to rise as like a world power. So they were like, yo, let's offer these kids Chinese because they might use it in business later on if they continue to (laughs) study it. Right? So yeah, I just was missing so much information Mm -hmm. about China, about its history, its culture, the arts. And then I also knew because I had taken Chinese for six years before I went to college. Oh, nice. So I was like, this college needs to have a Chinese program mm-hmm. where I will still have four years of Chinese to learn. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be a beginner. Right. Um, so if I went into intermediate or advanced, do I still have four years to learn? Mm-hmm. And then they needed a good study abroad program. And then you found it. Yeah. At a small place. Yeah. But Dickinson's very well known for their study abroad. Ah. So the entire study abroad, was it like six months like a, or two, two, two semesters or one semester? So you had the option of doing a year or a semester. Okay. You also had the option to do a homestay or um, dorm. Okay. It's funny, I actually originally planned a year, Mm -hmm. um, but because of the pollution, I definitely had to cut it short. Uh, Oh, that's right. I was very sick. (laughs) Oh, no. Towards the end of my trip. So I was like, you know what? I think... I should head back. <laughs> okay. And did you do the homestay or did you do the dorms? I did do the homestay. Wow. Man, so cool. Yeah. You like immerse yourself. I mean, I think that's the best way you'll experience and learn too. Yeah. It's also 
the challenging way, you know, it's the kind of sink or swim. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, that, not everybody has that. And you definitely have that. It's like sink or swim. <laughs> yeah, it, it was tough. But, you know, it was, you learn so much. Mm-hmm. Like, my host family didn't know any Chinese, any English. But also, like, I got to experience home cooking. Oh, yeah. Right. I got to learn like actual authentic Chinese recipes like you might learn from like a mom growing up mm-hmm. or a dad. So I definitely learned a few things there. Watched a bunch of Chinese dramas. <laughs> and then I was near a mall. So you get to experience like the mall life. Oh, yeah. Like it was just very fun. I didn't even have to talk to many people. Yeah. <laughs> so true. it wasn't even like a worry of. I'm going to get lost or something. Mm-hmm. I knew where I was. We all had like a card, mm-hmm. like multiple cards with like the address on it. Oh, okay. Like yeah. that's what all of us ended up doing on the trip. Because if you ever got lost or if you needed to just go into a cap, mm-hmm. right, you just give it to them and they'll be like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. I'll I know where help. I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, they might try to take you detour to get you pay more, but at least you'll get there. (laughs) Yeah, I know. They'll be like, oh, this this foreigner, because I guess we're all foreigners when we go back. But yeah, I feel like we're all foreigners. They won't know that until you start talking. Oh, true. That's really cool that you actually, so your your focus in studies, acting, and simple Chinese, was Chinese language, I guess is Chinese language, was, was. Mm Mm-hmm. I took a listening class. I took a speaking class. I took writing, speaking, writing class. Oh, writing, yeah. And then I took an elective, which I mainly took because it seemed like the easiest, Mm -hmm. which it was. But then it also turned out to be probably one of the most useful I've ever taken because it had electives like politics in mm-hmm. Chinese, business in Chinese, right? Really geared towards um, those people who want to go into business with China. Right. Which I didn't really mm-hmm. want to do it for that reason. I hate politics. <laughs> <laughs> so I was avoiding it like the plague. The last thing I want to do is deal with politics in a different language. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had like a pop culture. So they would, you know, you would watch game shows in Chinese and you would like analyze it. Mm. Um, but the one I ended up taking was a, I think it was like officially called like calligraphy. Oh. So it was very art based, but surprisingly, yeah. it wasn't much calligraphy. Oh, okay. I think, <laughs> I think either the translation was wrong or something. Ah. But what it was is we broke characters into their basic forms. Oh, oh, okay. That makes sense. It's like you learn about the parts. Yeah, so like how you can do it with English and the taxonomy of words, right? You break mm. it down into like the start of the word, the middle, and the end. Yeah. And like certain start words will lead you to like a certain, like a certain area meaning or something. A meaning, right? 
like pre, mm-hmm. right? You know, always means before. So we did something very similar with the characters. Oh. So that immediately like expanded my vocabulary because now like I learned how to look at a character and if I didn't know what it was, I could look at their parts and I'd be like, well, I feel like it might be this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's probably this. Right. In the context, <laughs> even within the bigger scheme too. It's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. they must be talking. Okay. Yeah, because is it radicals? Is that what the small little things are called? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Do you use all your Chinese knowledge today? Like, do you do that in, I guess, do you work and do you use that or do you like, hmm. My Chinese now is limited to COVID-related Chinese. Ah. So they will send me, because I work at CityMD. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a supervisor. So I will, they often will send me to like Sunset Park, right, which is heavy Chinese population, um, where everyone who walks through the door either speaks Chinese or Spanish. Okay. (laughs) Literally. And I didn't mind it at all. Mm -hmm. Like, it was a great opportunity for me to brush up on my Chinese. Yeah. Because when you don't use it, you lose it. Yes. (laughs) So I can help register a bunch of people in Chinese mm-hmm. I can give out results in Chinese I can do like a whole COVID visit like oh, good. which test which test do you want um oh it's positive you need to do you know you need a quarantine you need to stay here if you get worse you know go to the ER things like that oh wow you were able to communicate all this obviously in Chinese yeah I yeah because you just see it all the time and then after a while you just got in with it mm-hmm. oh that's so cool that's great that you actually like use it too yeah not wow. anywhere near to what I used to <laughs> but um you know I can definitely do like oh address phone number email mm-hmm. insurance wow Pretty, I mean, that's impressive to me. I, I, I'm, at, I'm at the point of like, I can order food. <laughs> like, I want that and I want this particular thing. I can, get, I can kind of do that now. Small things, small things. Yeah. So it's, I'm similar because my reading is much higher uh, than my speaking. Okay. And like, same with listening. So like, if someone talks to me in Chinese, I'd be like, oh. I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't read it yet because I forgot what the characters look like. And I can't respond because, like, I don't know why my brain's not working right now. Mm. But I know exactly what you said. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know they're talking about you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Sometimes they probably are. It's so funny because... That actually just recently happened, not with me in Chinese, but with my friend who speaks a different language. Mm-hmm. We were walking together and she realized that they were talking about us. Oh, that's funny. And I'm like, I feel like people don't realize that in such a diverse city, yeah, people understand. And people understand. You would, yeah. <laughs> right. Especially New York City, yes. Where you do hear a bunch of different languages, but then 
I guess that leads into my last question is, is there, is there anything you want to hear from other adoptees or other people about adoption? I mean, anything in particular? Not really. I just love hearing about other people's stories. I mean, we're all very diverse. We all have our own story. We all have our own needs when it comes to what we're searching for, where we are on this journey. It's just very insightful to just connect with people and hear about all of it. Because some of it, you might be like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And others are like, oh, no, I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the joy of like interacting with humans. <laughs> our fellow humans <laughs> yep well i appreciate you having this lovely conversation it became pretty pretty fascinating too like sometimes the conversations become they're like they're all very interesting but some of them i'm always more like oh okay that's like a different perspective right i never really thought of that way too well thank you so much for having me yeah i'm excited i'll share it later of course it won't be soon but it'll be soon but not too soon don't worry about it <laughs> we're not going anywhere <laughs> we're not yeah i'm not i'll say goodbye for now because i'm sure i'll see you again at some sad thing i'm sure i'm sure or if not that something else there's always there's always, there's always a gathering going on there's always some sort of gathering going on yeah that feels true and that's great well thank you <laughs> again and Thank you for listening to ABC Adopt the Baby from China.